I don't know about you guys, but in terms of Easter weekends, I've had much more enjoyable editions of it than what we had over the weekend. Welcome everyone to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on this Wednesday afternoon as we're bringing to a close the W League season for the Raw. There is a grand final next week, but who cares about that? And then also another disappointing A-League result. So Adam, how are you? Have you come off your chocolate high yet? Um, I actually tried to avoid a lot of chocolate, but uh, yeah, my predictions of a good weekend for the Raw have uh, pretty much uh, went unabated, I think. So yeah, f- f- fairly disappointing football weekend. I think it's a uh, disappointing weekend all around with the weather and all as well. So yeah. It wasn't great, was it, Scott? And uh, more importantly, uh, y- you look like you uh, got a little bit of uh, chocolate on your chin there. Thank you. I do not. I do not have any chocolate on my chin. There. Look, it wasn't a great weekend, but it was still a better Easter than last year, James. Yes, very true. Actually, that is a good point. When I wasn't yeah. frantically trying to find material for best of episodes, you guys didn't really give me a whole lot to work with over the last five years. But how dare you? <laughs> This is, of course, the Brisbane Football Review. Get in touch with us. Email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Facebook, The Raw Review. Twitter, at BNE Football. And a reminder, on those live on those accounts, you can find live coverage of every Brisbane Raw senior match, A-League and, well, not W-League anymore, and uh, as well as selected National Premier League's matches, including, well, we might have a couple coming up later tonight. All right. Um, oh, and you're listening to the podcast, iTunes, Wushka, Spotify... Like, share, review, tell your friends about it. I swear to God, this is one of the best Brisbane Raw-themed podcasts that the three of us are involved in. And, while I also remember, our NPL Sunday special will be back this weekend, weather permitting. Adam? Oh, it's a bit more than a special. It's a... What are we up to? Episode 14 this week, I think. Well, so, I'm going uh, to keep calling it the NPL Sunday special as long... Because you know, some would say, "So am I." Actually, yeah. I like the name. Yes, yeah. and and some no, no, say, I like the Sunday show. It, it, some, it, otherwise, it sounds like it's about to be cancelled. Well, some would no, say I it's like a special the, I like exper- the obscurity. Some would say it's a special experience not having the gigantic egomaniac on that show. But what would I know? And some would say it should be cancelled too. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't have the giant egomaniac on it. All right, we've got to talk about what was an eventful weekend for the Raw. Uh, we'll start off with the A League. Uh, Morton Daly Stadium, Saturday. Thankfully, uh, after the news that the lockdown was going to be lifted, we were able to get some football on Brisbane's north side, and it was a 1-1 draw with the Western Sydney Wanderers. Goals from Riku Danzaki and Kwame Yaboa. Adam, first 45 minutes, I feel like the Raw would have been more than happy with a point based on that performance, but second half, it really did feel like they were unlucky and unfortunate to not come away with the win. Yeah, the the first twenty five minutes or so was uh, wasn't great to to say the least. Uh, yeah, they sort of really got caught on the hop by a determined Western Sydney Wanderers who sort of started strongly and they were they were were rewarded very quickly with um, with uh, Kwame Yaboa scoring after twelve minutes. But uh, yeah, slowly but surely the Raw started to sort of claw their way back to the game, create a couple of chances, and yeah, come second half, um, especially after they got the equaliser. 
they probably look they probably be feel a little bit unlucky not to get all three points. And on that slow start as well, there were five changes to the starting lineup. Uh, we knew Macaulay Gillespie was suspended. Tom Aldred was laid out with an injury, as well as uh, Daly, Kudo, and Wenzel Halls going to the bench. Scott, do you think that had any sort of impact on the way that the Raw came out of the blocks? Probably did, actually, when you think about it. They were missing two of their... They're probably two lead defenders, including the captain, Tom Aldred, who was probably a game-day decision to be withdrawn because he did train the day before. No, He was named in the squad, so he was all set to play, and that probably had quite an impact in terms of the leadership on the field. James, all the defenders did quite well, but... The slow start, that's been happening for a while, let's be fair. It's not a new problem for the Raw, so I think it's just something they're going to have to address. I don't think it's down to the changes in particular. I, I have a fairly, you know, wild and crazy solution. Don't play John Farnham before kickoff. I'm just, just going to throw it out there. Maybe <laughs> give us something. Give us something else. Uh, I, I don't know. Go back to when they had uh, Fallout Boy Centuries or, you know, at least my uh, personal preference still, Powderfingers, My Happiness. I, I, at this point, James, they're almost able to release an album of um, walkout songs for the Brisbane Raw. It's getting pretty close. Yeah. Or if you really wanted to go left field, you know, go back to Katy Perry, but instead, you know, play Hot and Cold, which has about as much to do with uh, food as it does football. And MasterChef have been milking that for over a decade now, Adam. Yes, they have. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, look, it's, uh, it is a problem. <laughs> it is a problem that, you know, these slow starts. And, yeah, it's, it's hard to know why. It's like it's like I, it, it's sort of yeah, it's one of those things that yeah that they haven't really started that fast since they um, they ambushed Adelaide about about two months ago now and it, Melbourne victory after yeah, that yeah so I don't know if it's a case of they've been again it's a case of that um, the the and the sort of the the analysis by uh, by the opponents has sort of picked up as the way to stop the roar is to sort of go you know, to on the back foot early or whether it's a change in sort of you know tactic or whether they can really go you know that hard that early and you know try and run the game it's but it's one of those things that i think yeah that it's it's starting to be show show signs of weakness as far as the raw because i don't think they're the sort of team that you'd be fully confident that you know if they get more than two goals behind that they're going to come back yeah and that's the thing that i can't get my head around either is the fact that they've looked so good at times going forward. Obviously, yeah, we keep going back to those two games, Adelaide and Melbourne victory at Morton Daly, but they've still had their spurts, and obviously the... um, Obviously we've had the... I'm trying to find the right word, but they've had the drive in spurts, but they haven't been able to put it together for a full, I would say even 45 minutes. It's been, you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. They just don't look like they're entirely sure what the next move is going to be. Yeah. It's been like that for a while, hasn't it? it? Really, The only game where you think they've put it together for a full half or even a full game, James, you'd think maybe the victory game at home. And even that was 60 minutes, let's say, they put it together. So I think it's... I just, I don't think it comes down to combinations as well, James, in terms of they haven't really had a settled combination across the board. There's been a lot of chopping and changing. And I think... At this point, they're going to have to settle on what's the best combination and just roll the dice with it. I think both. Bolsa- they're going to have to do that because you can't keep chopping and changing and expecting things to get better. They're going to have to pick and stick at least for a few weeks to try something. Although, to be fair, I actually think that's actually a league-wide problem. I don't. I think I've seen very, very few instances where any team has put on a full 90-minute 90, 90 performance. And I actually think that's got a lot to do with these 
with the lot of the this, this whole new substitution rule, where it is becoming a bit like rugby union, or it's a bit coming a bit like ice hockey. Where basically you're you're moving out whole lines almost. It was on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll, and we'll get to that shortly. But yeah, I just to, to Scott's point, I just like well, we don't want to be too harsh and too negative on the raw because. I don't think any side this year in the A-League has put on a full 90-minute performance, or very, very rare. Maybe Melbourne City might have once or twice, but other than that, um, yeah, it seems to be a factor in that. So, But it is, it is still a concern. Oh, Victory have had 90-minute performances, by the way. Pardon? Yeah. Victory have had 90-minute oh, right. performances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not even sure that they put in five, five ten minutes uh <laughs> Yeah. Maybe the first five ten minutes, but not not much more than that. But yeah, I, I just think yeah, it's one of those things. I think this is a league wide wide issue. So, but the thing is that it's having too far and few between for the raw at the moment. That shows by the fact that they have not won a game in almost two months. Yeah, and the raw did get back into it with one of their, I would say, very strong performers on the evening, and that was like uh, Joey Chantner setting up uh, Riku Danzaki for the equaliser three and a half minutes after. Uh, half time, and well, I, I do want to single out Chantness as well because he does bring that phenomenal level of confidence, and he's one of the few players I feel like can consistently that when he's come on, it might not might not always come off, but he is willing to give something a go here. So I, I do want to give Chantness a bit of credit for that because just I'm watching his run again, and it's the way that he just drove by one, two, three, and eventually got to the fourth uh, Wanderers defender before laying it off for Danzaki. It was a really good passage of play from the raw from one end of the pitch to the other. And it's not the only time he did that during the game, James. He made two or three impacts like that, which created real opportunities for himself and his attacking teammates. So I thought he was the standout player for the raw at the weekend, no question about it. And it's good to see him get back to what we know he was previously with Newcastle. He's been out of the game for 12 months or so, given he's pursuing a musical career in the States. So... It was natural it was going to take him a bit of time, but he looks like, on the weekend at least, getting back to his best. Yeah. And um, then on the hour mark, obviously, there was, as you called it, Adam, an ice hockey-style line change from uh, both teams in the end. The Raw made a triple sub with both Scott, McDonald, and Neville returning, thankfully not Owen. I couldn't I couldn't even get on then. That's a t- terrible shame. Yeah. <laughs> where, where would you have uh, come on, Scott? Uh, left right out. <laughs> T- you, you would have been Chief Morale Officer. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was a triple substitute. I forget who the third one was. Was it... Wenzel Horse. Horse. There we go. And, look, in terms of bringing on closers, that was a pretty solid trio to bring on. And I thought, overall, McDonald probably had the biggest impact of the three that came on. And you need to see that level of calm and experience that he does bring to the side. Yeah, um, it's it is a um, look. I've, I've said for a while that you know I think what the, what the raw there's two things uh, is more a bigger problem. But I think um, the raw have missed uh, Scott McDonald as well as far as you know, not so, so much his goal scoring, but I think his organisation, the fact that he draws defenders, and whatnot, and so it's good to see him back uh, in in the side, and also as well, it's good to see Scott Neville back uh, after his uh, joint over in India. Scott? Yeah, you mentioned closes, by the way. Wanderers not long responded last night with four subs. They brought on um, Simon Cox, Bernie Beanie, James Torisi, and Nikolai Muller. So that's that's just kind of trumping the closer, isn't it? But I do think with McDonald, they certainly did miss him when he was unavailable. And 
him sitting in that role just slightly behind the front too where he can find the space and create the opportunities there for people to be able to score the goals. I think they have missed him in that role, but it was obviously going to take him more than half an hour to get back into into the flow of things. So hopefully this weekend we'll see the best of Scotty Mack. I do wonder as well, and, you know, we saw earlier in the season McDonald's have probably been pushed a little bit wide to accommodate Wenzel Halls, but should the Raw consider just putting McDonald up front and saying, all right, we've got a pair of really good goal-scoring wingers. Actually, they've got several who have that potential in Wenzel Halls, Danzaki, um, Champness, just to name a few. Why, like, do you just say, all right, McDonald, you're going to operate as a number nine, score, like try and score if you can, but don't be afraid to try and throw it uh, out to one of the wingers who can do the job for you? Yeah, I would seriously consider trying that, James. We've talked, we were talking about it on Saturday night after the game about how something needs to change with Raw in terms of their formation and our opinions. And I think a front three of McDonald, Danzaki, and and Champ, just with Wenzel Halls as an X factor off the bench, I think that's probably the way I would go at the moment. To be honest, I think Champ is adding a lot, and he's shown he can do it from the start as well. Riku's been one of the Raw's standout players, drifting to the right all season long, and I think they've got to have Scott McDonald in there so and I think we also uh, we're talking about I think the midfield needs an extra body in there it just seems like they get overrun in the midfield and it makes it difficult for the players in there to control a game when it's quite often 3v2 so I would I think it's a change there James I think probably does need to be made yeah look Scott Scott and I were talking about this yeah post game and even actually I think at half time um, when, when the Royal were down uh, and for mine the, pro- the problem is is that um, the formation is quite overloaded at the moment on both sides. On either the defensive side, they've got too many players are playing five at the back, or they're playing too many attackers in attack. And basically, what's what's happening is you're having um, pretty much they're, they're losing like, these games, or at least you know not winning these games because the midfield is getting overrun. You're expecting Jay O'Shea and either Ramat Akbari or uh, Jesse Jesse Day, depending on who it is that's actually starting, to basically to to take on either creatively attacking-wise or to defend against the full midfield of the opponents. And it's just not... And if you want to answer where I think it's all going wrong, I think the attack is fine. I think you've either got one too many defenders on in the formation or you've got one too many attackers. They need a third midfielder. And the problem is I don't see where that third midfielder is going to be because they either need an out-and-out number six, you know, a defensive midfielder that's going to drop into the back line or they need a number 10 that's going to, you know, actually create. And I actually think the, the creative midfielder may be something that's actually probably achievable given what, what they've got available at the moment. Yeah, I think that's absolutely it. And it is just a numbers game right now. And th- we could wind up uh, seeing the Raw get forced into that change because we did have the very unfortunate sight uh, towards the end of the game of Jack Hingett being forced off with an injury. And look, there's no sugarcoating it. It did not look good, especially when they were doing the ACL test on the knee. And the fact that Hingett went straight down the tunnel looking, at least in my opinion, rather distraught, is it, it just sucks. Like, I, I can't say it any differently than that, Scott. It, it's a horrible sight. It's a horrible sight, isn't it? I mean, obviously, I don't know if it was the same knee as the one he had a couple of years ago. Fingers crossed it's not, because that could be some serious complications. We don't know how serious it is. I think he's having scans... This week, at some point this week, so well, we don't know how serious it is. We'll probably find out something about it when the squad list comes out Thursday. But it's not a good sight, and he's obviously a really popular player here in Brisbane. Been here a long time, and 
it's very disappointing to see if this is another serious knee injury for him again because he worked so hard to get back and he was having a good season so it's it's a real shame but it may to your point force the raw to change their shape yeah it's, it's the the worst kind of injuries the one you fear the most oh is when the player just goes down without any contact it was behind the ball wasn't it it was behind the ball the ball was yeah 20 20 meters away it was just as if he was he just I just happened to sort of catch it on the replay um, that they showed on Fox Sports, and he just seemed to step, and all of a sudden, bang, he's gone down as far as sort of crumpled in a heap. And yeah, it's 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 not a good sign. And um, yeah, we just uh, wish him all the best. Uh, that yeah, you know, it, it isn't as, as serious as the first look because yeah, it's you don't you don't wish that upon any player. Definitely not. But yeah, uh, it's he did look like he was growing into that right wing back uh, role as the season went along as well so it is just a shame to see him I suppose forced into that uh, forced into at the very least a short term uh, injury rehab alright now in a wonderful bit of planning and foreshadowing by me we now have to go from the Jack Hingard injury to the 3-2-1 vote so good job James uh, we're going to st- uh, and it's actually my week to do that so uh, my 3 2 ones, you've got uh, three points Joey Champness I think he offered far and away the most going forward. Number two, Jordan Courtney Perkins. I don't know how much notice he would have gotten to be involved in this match, but thought he stood up really, really well when called upon. And then finally, the aforementioned Jack Hingett. I hope that is not the last point I will be awarding him this season, but yeah. Anyway, that's pretty much all I can uh, leave it with that. We aren't going to have time for the Warren Moon audio, so sorry about that, Scott. All right. Uh, oh, don't to me for I've heard it. It's, yeah. a, it's a fine listener. I was, who I was there. Yeah, we were there. We, were, we went through it. Well, you made the effort to uh, cut it up, and I was trying to appear magnanimous and whatnot. But since that's not going to uh, be an issue, never mind. As but, animals... but just one, just one thing from that, um, from that. Like, I don't know if it was in the audio. It definitely came from the press conference. Is that and what what really start, is starting to concern me is that this line of oh, we you know we've had five draws in the last eight games. And look, at the, yeah, that's that's the positive way of looking at it. But the other way you look at it is that's five points. That's five points out of the last twenty-four. So I would hope that you know, while we try and sort of remain positive, and that, that they're still not they're not that far away from you know getting you know getting into the finals, it is starting to slip, and it is becoming the stage now where something needs to change very very soon. They need to start racking up the wins, or this season's gone. And I think we will. I think we're looking at maybe it could be all over as far as the season goes before Perth Glory get here on Anzac Day if they don't start, you know, win. So it's all well and good to say, oh, we we're not losing games, but you're not winning games either, and that needs to change. Yeah, and on that as well, we'll get to you quickly uh, after with Scott. And you know, you know, uh, the sort of uh, clubs that say, oh, well, we've had five draws in our last eight. Premier League sides that are battling relegation. I just I'm doing the Premier League preview uh, for work at the moment, and I'll tell you what, like that's that's what Newcastle United have got uh, right now. That sort of record. I think it's four draws in their last five, and they're three points off uh, being in danger of going to the Championship next season. So, look, I, I admire a manager who will take the glass half full approach, but do you really want to be that sort of manager that is happy with five points from eight games? And uh, what is it? Is it four goals? in that uh, last eight as well? Mm, I'm not sure. Firstly, I'll help you with your work. 
Chelsea are bad. The end. <laughs> that's, that's your pre- preview. But what about the Liverpool? Reward, they've got a really tough run in James actually because they've got a, they've got away games to Central Coast, Melbourne, Macarthur this weekend, Adelaide, and Western Sydney. That's the top five right now. So it's not like they've got an easy run of games. Or not that there's any easy games in the A League, but they've got teams who are at the top of the table away from home to finish out the season, and they are currently five points outside the top six. Which and sixth place is Sydney, a side who. I think most people expect they're going to make a bit of a run towards the end of the season to push a bit further up the table than that. So there's a fair gap to overhaul to get into the final. So I think Adam's got a point that the Roar have probably got a couple of weeks here before their season looks in real, real peril because it's all good saying only one loss in the last eight or whatever it is with five draws or whatever the actual numbers are. But there's not enough wins there. Four wins out of 13 is not is not a ratio which is going to get you into the finals. And we've seen what the damage of having more, uh, having just as many draws as wins can do, you know, with the other, with the other Brisbane Raw side that we're about to talk about. Yeah, that's it. And yeah, there's not really much more we can say about the A-League side, so let's move on to the W-League. And, well, it was a wet and miserable evening out at Lion Stadium as the Raw were bundled out in the semi-final for the third time in four years, Scott? Yes? Yep. Third yep. time in four years. 6-2 uh, to Melbourne victory. Raw's goals came from Chance and Yallop. Uh, victory had a hat-trick from Ayres, a brace from Devanna and Zimmerman. Managed to get on the score sheet as well. There's a lot of places we could start uh, with this fixture. I do feel like I just want to get one little personal thing out of the way first. I honestly am surprised at, uh, and you know a little bit impressed at the restraint Jake Goodship had at some of those... Uh, <laughs> issues he had during the match purely because I feel like if it was me I would have said something that would have had me warm drying in the sheds uh, after about 20 minutes because there was it look it needs to it needs to come with the preface of the victory were really really good they outplayed the raw for the bulk of the 90 minutes and yet they still had every single you know 50 50 60 40 70 30 decision go their way thanks to what I think was one of the more questionable refereeing decisions, uh, and I don't want to make any more jokes about that because I, you know, value my job. So, I'm going to say that uh, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I just... It was frustrating. I can't go beyond that. <laughs> I, I don't know what Have more... you got a new curse button ready? Because I reckon if we recorded this Sunday night, we yeah. may very, very well yeah. needed it. Yeah. Okay, well, Scott... Um, how do you think Jake Goodship's suit held up then? Because I don't really want to talk about the match. His suit was fantastic, wasn't it? The decision to wear shoes and no socks, I'm not too sure about that as a, that's as what, a fashion decision. That's but always questionable. I'll, I'll, I'll let that one go. I'll go for 30 seconds on the game, and I do think you're correct about victory. They were the better side, and Devanna had an absolutely unbelievable game. And anyone who thinks that Lisa Devanna is finished and, and is not good enough to play for this national team I think you're very sorely mistaken. She's more than good enough and showed that at the weekend. Now, now they were better, and the Raw clearly missed Polkinghorne and Gielnick. There's no doubt. Those are absolute facts. But so is the fact that the first goal was not given. That crossed the line. That was a goal. And I, I, they put two additional referees behind the goal, James. Who Last time I checked, they've only got one job. Yeah, in, in, in 120 minutes, I, do. I, I cannot understand. I can't believe that they missed it. And despite victory being the better team and the Raw missing Polkinghorne and Gielnick, that would have put them one 0 up in the game. 
And given the side the Raw had out there, the bench didn't have a lot of attacking proven talent on it, shall we say. It probably was a big part of the game to get in front and control the game. So if the Raw did score first there, it could be a completely different game. That's the one thing I would say. And the other thing is, I don't understand the penalty decision at all in the second half. I still don't understand what that was for, but that that washed out eventually because it went got sent into the um, the goal on the other field over the back. So that, that one they got away with, but the goal that wasn't given, I just don't understand it. Well, that okay, you've got uh, those two calls, Scott. I do want to quickly jump in and say as well, I'm still not quite sure what the foul was uh, before the victory's second goal, was it? There was a questionable foul call in there as well. Yeah, that one, that one, um, got that. That one was questionable too, but and they could have defended that situation better in fairness anyway. And at four-two, uh, there was the goal that I think was from Tamiki Yallop that was ruled out for offside. That Hecker, Hecker, Hecker and that was offside. It was. Yeah. That was that was legitimate. She was offside. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'll withdraw the second complaint there as well. But they just couldn't catch a break, could they, Adam? Well, it, yeah, no, they, they didn't. Um, they didn't, but I think a lot of it was... Um, look, I think Melbourne Victory were just were just too good. Um, look, I think Lisa Levanna, you know, she, she was brilliant. Yeah, I, what, what I do like to sort of, you know, I guess chip is that the people that you know, obviously didn't watch the game and sort of their reactions, oh, 6-2, Raw must have got thrashed. You obviously didn't watch the game. Because it wasn't a 6-2 game. Did, did they really expect Jake Goodship, when they were 3-1 down after 49 minutes, for him just to sit, sit uh, defensively and go, oh, we'll just take a 3-1 semi-final loss. Are you kidding me? Like, 6-2. It's, it's like, so that was after chasing the game. So for those who want to go, go around and say, oh, you know, Raw got thrashed, well, you only didn't watch the game because had you know, Meryl Hecker been a second later, at 4-3, it's game on, despite all that happened. Like, the the first goal, as Scott said, the, the sheer physics of it. Anyone who, who has actually played, fo- played football or has watched football for, you know, more than five minutes would know when the ball strikes like that, the sheer physics suggests that's crossed the line. Yet, the, yet the, somehow, some way, the, the, uh, the touch the touch line, um, line lines person missed it. I, I, I just cannot believe that. And... So yeah, look, I, I you can tell I'm probably still very wound up from that, but but look, it, it, how are you still more wound up than I was? I was ready to kick something on Sunday. Yeah, well, like I said, I can I sort of can sort of uh, ball it up, but look, at the end of the day, but like I said, Lisa Van's great. Melina Reyes is probably the best predatory striker in the in the W League, and I also sort of pay pay sort of particular attention to um, Kyra Cooney Cross, who I thought she was she just bossed midfield and. It's clear to see that you know, the other Raw, they really did miss Claire Polkinghorne and, and, and Gilnick. But, you know, look, it's one of those things. But, yeah, I can understand, you know, Jake, Jake Goodship and everyone's frustration after that because, yeah, it was not a... It was there, some very, very yeah. questionable decisions in a high-pressure situation, I think. Yeah. And not to be hypocritical here, James, because I've railed against VAR so many times on this show, so I'm not going to be hypocrite now and say, we need VAR to solve this. No, you don't. You had you had five officials on that field. There's enough people yeah. there to get it right. And you on, don't need technology for that. And on that as well, I would also say I would love to see VAR brought in if the people using it could utilize the technology to make the that right calls. They course. would have had a camera angle there that would have shown it because I saw the replay yeah. of the um, that they showed on television, and it it was no well, more or less conclusive one way or the other than it was on the yeah. 
on the actual live broadcasting. So, well, I tried to grab that screenshot. Yes, it's a, it's to send, a, yeah, I tried to grab that screenshot to send to you guys, and that was the best you could get off the stream because it, I, I I get that you know you've got to devote the resources across you know all the sports that are going on at the moment, but. How many cameras were there? Was it two or three? Two. Two cameras. Two. One up on the top, one up on the deck, which was the main one, and then the lower down one for close-ups. It's a semi-final. Of, it's a semi-final. Surely you can at least make sure that you've got a roaming camera on each sideline. They might not have been able to give too much more, you know, clarity when it comes to finding the spot where the ball landed. Because, as you know, we have to keep reminding everybody, it's the hole of the ball over the hole of the line. But from what I saw, it did look like it was over. But I don't see how anyone watching that on video could have made a clear and obvious decision to overturn it. But it should, ne- it should never have come to video. That's oh, no, I, that I, I agree. Made, I made before. Is that anyone that has actually played the game could understand the physics of it when it hits the underside of the bar like that and, and you know, drops at that angle. It's got to have crossed the line. Now, I don't, I, don't, I, don't blame, I don't blame Lara Lee for that. Because she would have been probably 20 metres away. But what was that line judge doing? That's yeah. where it is. And Got one job. We, and like, yeah, I'm, exactly. It's like, I know it was only 10 minutes in. And at the end of the day, yeah, we're all league six. And it's not going to change the result. But at the end of the day, you don't need VAR for that sort of stuff. That's just a howler. Because the, for whatever reason, I don't know why that, that line judge missed that. It should never have happened. And it's a completely different game. So, yeah, look, I'm frustrated, but look, VAR... Can we move on, James, I'm, or I'm going to get more wound up again? Yeah. yeah, okay. I'll give you guys a couple <laughs> of seconds to cool off. And uh, you had a chance to speak to Liv Chance after the match. So let's hear what she had to say. Yeah, it is, it is a tough one to take. Look, we, we created opportunities. And um, obviously, you know, I'll need to have a look back at some of the calls that the ref did and, and see if I can see her point of view. Um, but, yeah, we created enough opportunities. And I think some of their goals were preventable. Um, so but it was a great game for a neutral to watch. You know, it was end-to-end. And I think, you know, that's a good advert for women's football and what, you know, 2023 is going to bring for both sides. So... But, yeah, it was a good game, and unfortunately, we we didn't get the win. But fair play to them, and uh, good luck to them in the final. I guess it's the question everyone's going to ask is, how much did you miss Claire and, and Em and, and not having them in this game? Um, I think you're always going to miss those players, you know. You play with them all season, um, and, you know, the two that came in did well. Um, but you always miss, you know, just the clinicalness and how we move as a team it's hard when they come in you know we've played a whole season with uh, Claire and them so but look the team that was on the park they we were good enough to win that game it uh, just didn't fall our way on the night your your goal obviously um, from distance uh, talk us through that um well <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you a story <laughs> a couple days ago at training um, I had the exact same shot and uh, hit the crossbar, but uh, I saw the opportunity, saw the keeper off the line, I thought, you know, let's have a dig at it, sat nicely, and, and as soon as it hit my foot, I thought, oh, that might go top corner, so, yeah, I'm really happy uh, to always score, but it's always harder when you lose, you know, and, and the second one, I thought, you know, might creep in, but I'm happy Meeks was there to finish it off, and, you know, and when we got the second, we had the opportunity, you know, we had the ball in the back of the net two other times. Um, 
So yeah, hard one to take, but it, it was a nice strike and I want to do it more often. All right, that was Liv Chance, the Raw's Kiwi midfielder, uh, after the match. And yeah, I look, it, it's disappointing. It's frustrating. I keep, I keep coming back to, though, we have, like we've mentioned it, would the Raw necessarily have won that game with Gilnick and Polkinghorn? I I feel like it probably would have been a very different game. However, I could very... I, with the form that Lisa Devanna and the rest of the victory attackers were in, I could also have seen that game finishing 2-1 to the victory as well with a much more resolute defensive performance from both sides. And look, I do want to try and end with something resembling a positive as well. And I will say that, you know... The one player who we'll talk about a little bit more going forward, but Mariel Hecker was probably the standout for me of the Raw attackers. And the, like one of the players that really continued to put in an, on, an honest effort when, look, you could have forgiven her and pretty much anyone else for thinking, well, we're trailing by a lot here, game over. So I do, I do think that, you know, seeing the players putting in that effort right through to the final whistle, knowing full well you would have needed an orange Sunday times a thousand miracle to even just get back and force extra time. It, it was good. And it did show that, you know, Jake Goodship has got this side playing for him. Well, we've seen some miracles with the raw and at line. So that would have been next level if that had pulled that one off. But we all talked about last week with victory. We've got to give them credit because they did, they did suffer a big disappointment last Wednesday when they missed out in the premiership. And then they backed up on short rest playing, the first game of this doubleheader that they played away from home on a synthetic pitch, which we know is not easy. They then travel up to Brisbane with all the issues going on up here, which they would have had questions, is it going to go ahead or not? They play on a wet pitch and they get over the line. And they play well. So you've got to give them credit. They, they battled through a heck of a lot to get over the line there. With, as for positives with the Raw, there's a few out of it. James, I think we can talk about that when we go through the season recap in a minute because there's a fair lot of positives. It just ended on an unfortunate disappointment. Yeah, exactly. Well, Adam, uh, you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I'll go to one. Uh, it's actually one and a half points. Uh, Liv Chance's goal was spectacular, especially from where, it was. where we were sitting. Um, I did ask her that in the um, in the uh, press press conference, but also as well. Yeah, if there's any uh, questions about whether Mariel Hecker belongs at W League level, she certainly proved it, and that her performance uh, was. Yeah, she she was the best on ground for the Raw as far as um, on on uh, Sunday night. So if there's any questions whether she was up to that um, up to that level, there, there's no question in my mind she is, and it just shows that the pathway as far as you know MPL up to A League. You know, look, Mariel's a special player, but you know that's that's the benchmark, and that's what you know players that are playing in MPL you know need to be achieving for. Because I think uh, with the World Cup coming up and you know and the drain continue to drive Matilda's players, there may be even more opportunities for players at, sta- at the state level to, to play W League next season. Yeah, okay, well... Absolutely, it will. Sorry, I... And those players are going to have to go overseas as well because clearly the Matilda's coach doesn't rate the mm. W League, so players with national team ambitions are probably going to have to go, but that's a story for another day. I, I actually am going to strongly disagree with you on that, Scott. Is that based on the fact that the Matilda squad that's just been announced in the past week is all European-based? That and a whole bunch of players are moving over there already yeah. from W League players like Dylan Holmes, etc. Yeah, but isn't that 
at least in part because their season is just coming to an end. So, I'll say this now because we probably won't get to the Matilda squad. Care of, is, if Isabel Dalton was playing in Europe, she would have been in that squad. Yeah, absolutely. I know because of the COVID, they can't bring players over, but... Yeah, no, I, I, honestly, shame. I think that's I Looking think at that's some of the players over there who haven't played before, you can see there's a couple of players who are there because they're in Europe, but we wish them the best. Yeah, I, to, to be honest, I think that's just a, a cover-up excuse as far as, oh, that, you know, that it's, it's COVID and the travel restrictions because you know, any player that that would have been in line for a spot to, to play in that squad, and I'm talking about Dylan Holmes, I'm talking about, you know, the two Raw girls, you're talking about Emma Checker, they were gone. They were often gone before the end. So I, I think I think it's it's a clear message right now that Tony Gustafsson is not looking at the W League and the players that he did consider. They were told, "Get on your bike, get to Europe." That's I my th- opinion. I th- I could not disagree with you more. I think it is just purely down to the fact that a lot of these players wouldn't have wanted to come home and have to go through uh, two weeks of quarantine plus whatever else is going on. And the fact that the W League season is coming to an end in, what, four or five days or whatever. It's so, finished. What are you talking about? It's finished. Yeah, either way. But I think... I, the final got cancelled. <laughs> oh, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. But, I, yeah, I honestly think it is more to do with just the fact that yeah, a lot of the transfer windows over in Europe were closing as well, so they just had to get over and not take more time off. Because, look, as while a lot of these leagues are professional, if you're coming from Australia where the pay, let's be honest, could be better. I think it is just purely down to the fact that they've, you know, got the chance to keep playing football and earn a decent paycheck. I don't think it's anything more to do with that. And if it is, then congratulations, we've got another pin for beak. I hope we're all happy with the disappointing group stage exit in the World Cup after getting belted by a European powerhouse. Hey, now, 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 don't speak you little dead. Well, the, tr- <laughs> the truth is never mean. Anyway. Season recap time. Yes. <laughs> Second in the league, uh, semi-final loss. First question is, Scott, pass mark? Yeah, I think so. We talked about the beginning of the year, didn't we? We expected them to get back into the finals. That was the expectation. You get to the finals, it's a lottery. I think it's fair to say if they had Gil, Nick and Polkinghorne, it would have been a completely different game. They fell short in the semi-final. It can happen. Adam? It's a pass mark for me. Yeah, look, I think same pass. We, we did we did all tip first or second for them. I think, congratulations, James. You got the uh, Quinella at least. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how far back beyond that, but um, but but yeah, look, um, that, that is a pass mark, and, and look, it comes down to one or two results, and we're all premiers. It's as simple as that. If they didn't, if they didn't bottle it uh, as far as a draw against uh, Newcastle in week four, or even somehow some way they beat Melbourne City in week one, um, yeah, we're, we're talking about them as premiers. So, but that that it is what it is. That's not here here or there. And like I said, I think it's a pass mark on the season itself. And that, as I agree with Scott. And we say say it with a lot of things. Finals is a lottery, and look, you get the hand you dealt with. I'm going to be a slightly harsher grader and say that while I consider it a pass based on what we know of the season that's just gone, if you had have told me that the Raw were going, just all I knew was that it was going to be second place and a semi-final exit, I would have called it a disappointment. However, knowing full well that some of the dramas they've had with fixture rescheduling, border closures players leaving I'm going to say that was a, an acceptable effort obviously obviously this was a side that was good enough to raise some silverware but uh, circumstances did get in the way um, overall there were 20 players used uh, three players did not see any match time Billy Murphy Holly McQueen and Cass Safina um, seven players made their debut for the Raw Letitia McKenna Mariel Hecker Rosie Sutton Sean Fryer Liv Chant Rebecca Horsey and Morgan Aquino 
Overall, it was a good. It's a good, healthy mix of players that they brought over. And look, the two players that they uh, signed from Perth, I believe, Scott, uh, yep. Aquino and McKenna. I thought both of whom had for like had really good moments as the season went along and showed, I would say, a good good reason to keep them around for the uh, following season or so. Would you agree? Yeah, I think it's settling in, and for particularly. If you want to start going through the players, I mean, both of those players you mentioned from Perth come over here, settled in. McKenna played a lot more football than Morgan Aquino did. He had to sit behind Georgie Worth in goal, who got her first real test, real taste of regular W League football this year and did pretty well, to tell you the truth. So I think going back to NPL level now for Georgie, she'll improve and, and grow as a player and come back. But with Morgan, there was that one great save, wasn't there, against the Wanderers when she got thrown into the deep end and made that unbelievable save to secure with the three points for the Raw that night. So both made their impact, and I think it's probably a solid unit of the team, James, the two keepers. Definitely. And, Adam, I'm going to ask you about Kim Carroll, the only player to play every minute of the season. Another shrewd pickup, I would say, and one that turned out to be, okay, yes, it was in a game where they conceded six goals, but someone who definitely was able to provide a solid counter to Claire Polkinghorne when she was with the Raw as well. You'll never catch me having a bad word about the Raw defence. They were they were great this season. As I said, that six goals you know, in the same final, you know, it's an aberration. You know, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you expect when you're chasing the game? Um, wet nights, you know, yeah. So, but yeah, Kim Carroll's been fantastic as, as centre-back partner to, um, to Claire Pockinghorn. And look, she, she's, a, she's a marvel of a player, you know, you know, for the Raw back in the day, you know, for a you know, former Matilda. And also as well, you know, she... She, you know, highly experienced, and you know, it, it showed. And um, it was certainly, it was certainly, um, if we could have got her, got her last year, um, you know, to, to sort of fill in that that void there. You know, who knows what could have happened last year with this squad? So, no, that was a great pickup. And look, she, she's she's a great player. Yeah, I can't add to that other than that. Kim Carroll will probably be at the heart of that defence again next year, and a real key part of it. So, the fullbacks, James, I thought they were the real revelations of this side. Winnie Heatley playing it right back instead of centre back, which we've seen her play at the NPL, I thought she grew and grew into that role really well and became one of, if not the standout right back in the W League for me over the course of the season. And Jamila Rankin made that left back spot her own. I mean, we've seen how how really valuable Carson Pickett was there in the last few years, but as great a player as Carson is, the Raw didn't miss a beat with Jamila Rankin there. I thought that both of those two young defenders really stepped up and proved that they're more than capable of being really solid contributors in this defence. And that unit as a, as a whole, James, I thought was one of the more solid parts of the team. So collectively across the board, that four, staying together for the course of the season by the semi-final, unfortunately, was a real core part of this team. Absolutely. And on Winnie Heatley as well, obviously, like we've all been big fans of what she's done for Lions over the last couple of seasons as well. And I think she's shown that she is going to be, you know, assuming she wants to, or for as long as she wants to, a mainstay of the Raw uh, backline for years to come. And I do think we got a taste of what the Raw central defensive pairing next season is going to look yeah. like with Heatley and Carroll and probably Jamila Rankin on that left side. I will say the makeshift right back for the afternoon, Caitlin Torpy. I will continue to admire her efforts of filling in where needed, where needed but it's quite clear that she's much better suited the, uh, further up the pitch. And... That could be probably the first area that uh, Jake Goodship might look to address. Moving on to the midfield now, Adam, 
quite a few players here. Uh, I'll, I'll let you lead off. I'll, I'm feeling generous, so uh, I'll give you the easy uh, standouts off that list. Yeah, look, uh, um, just, sort of just go through. Look, live, live I actually chance. just realised now there's actually about half a dozen standouts. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, Liv Chance um, was exceptional. She was uh, a great a great pickup as far as um, sort of her experience as well. Um, Isabel Dalton, look, uh, not much more to say to her. I agree with Scott that, you know, she, so I said, she's sort of you know, a victim of sort of, you know, as far as you know, her national team ambitions is that you know she was at Europe at the wrong time. Came had a great season for the Raw and probably couldn't find a club to go back to. So, but she she was fantastic, especially later in the season. Um, Katrina Gori, for obvious reasons, um, was sort of incomplete. But you know she she had her moments. That that goal against Canberra was exceptional. Um, and look, I think also um, Tamiki Yallop had a very very solid season. What we expect. What we expect from her as a veteran uh, Matilda. Yeah, I, I will say one thing. Like Katrina Gori had one of the best excuses for you know bailing on a team mid-season ever, yeah. <laughs> and uh, with, uh, I think as we worked out as well, uh, not the only player with uh, baby baby news during the season. Uh, should say quick congratulations to Jake Goodship as well, which I think we may have done last week. Anyway, but. Um, yeah, I'm looking, as I think you were saying, Scott, I'm looking forward to that uh, midfield trio of uh, Yallop, Gorry, and Goodship uh, for the Raw in 2038 or so. Yeah, it's the future of the Raw W League's in great shape with those <laughs> with the trio coming through. But in terms of the stance that midfield, I'll focus on three. Adam mentioned Liv Chance. I thought it was, I thought she was a joy to watch for a lot of this season. What she added to that side was was real quality in that midfield area, creating opportunities and the ability to score long-range bombs like we saw on Sunday. I hope they can find a way to keep her. It sounds like it's probably not going to happen, but what a, what a joy to watch. You mentioned Isabel Dalton. I, to me, she's the real... If I was picking player of the year and watching the whole year, she would be my choice because her control of the midfield has been exemplary. Eight assists, the leader in the W League this season, and victory targeted her on Sunday in terms of stopping her from playing out. They made the raw do it in a different way, and that, that also hurt them... But, so those two were really, really good, but Marielle Hecker has... We knew we we thought we knew that what Marielle would do, and she's just gone and done it. I mean, the impact that Marielle's had out there on the right-hand side, James, over the course of this season, it's grown and grown and grown, and it's gone. she now looks like she's not just a W League player, but looks like she can be a difference maker or an impact player at that level consistently. So it's a fantastic debut season in the W League for Marielle, and you can just see her growing and building on that once again so they would be my three standouts in the midfield this year yeah look there's not much more we can say about that Hecker uh, absolutely belongs in the W League um, and by the sounds of it though she is going to be returning to Lions for the NPL season oh so, god yeah, god we'll help the NPL Brazil or Australia at the World Cup James uh, Australia definitely Okay. So. Oh God, help the um, MPLW defences, you know, because because the thing is as well. So I said before that you know she looked like she belongs in the W League, but I think even by her standards, she could go up another level for next season. I think, as Scott said, and I, I agree with that, is that you know she season one was about establishing herself. Season two, she could you know be a real difference maker. She could be a potential you know Julie, Julie Dolan medalist. You know, next season, as far as her impact, you know, on the raw, you know, as far as their their chances. So, yeah, she could she could go on with it next season. Then if she's you know, going around, you know, haunting, uh, you know, local teams in the MPLW, holy smoke! 
Yeah, get, get ready for quite a few uh, Goal of the Week contenders from Hecker on uh, the Football Queensland channels as the season goes along, I get the feeling. And also, if Mariel is listening, no pressure, by the way. <laughs> uh, no, there is no pressure in that front line at Lions. There's other players who can pick up the slack, yeah. so you're not wrong there. Anyway, uh, quick touch on the forwards as well. Emily Gielnick, Golden Boot, uh, but more importantly, Brisbane Football Review Player of the Season. Yep. That's the best award she's ever going to win this year, guaranteed. <laughs> yep. It's unique. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I think... Uh, look, all I can really say about Gilnick is... Yeah, I keep going back to that night at uh, Redcliffe after they drew with Canberra. And, boy, like, the confidence uh, that she's just grown since then is just phenomenal. And, really, yeah, that's all I can say about the leader of that forward line. And... We'll have to wait and see who gets on a four next season. I think it'll probably be Larissa Crummer, James. I mean, we saw her come in and didn't didn't play a lot of game time until the semi-final. Looks, looked pretty solid on Sunday, to tell you the truth. It's just maybe a little bit of lack of match sharpness that probably cost her in the end in terms of being able to get that goal. But you can see if there's a full pre-season there for Larissa, there's, a, there's certainly a player there who can score goals in the W League. With Emily, I'll go back to the interview after the game in Newcastle that fourth of the four straight draws where you could tell she was just frustrated with the way it was all going and her ability to reset her game and her mindset after that to go on a run in the second half of the year that's why Emily Gilnick is an international player and that's why she's an abs- one of the one of the best players that the country's got at the moment it was it just shows you the experience and the quality that she has James to be able to to put all that to one side and say right now we've got to turn this around and I'm going to be the player to do it and that was when she really did make her run after that Newcastle game in the, the fourth of those four frustrating draws. It was some run as well, 12 goals in eight games. Yeah. yeah, pretty good. Okay, I'm going to get you guys to do the two teams of the season for the W League. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be, let's see here. Scott, you go first, okay. and Adam, you follow up after that. All right, so my team of the year, I will say my team is heavily dominated by teams who were either in the finals or close to the finals. So in goal, I had Gabrielle Garten from Melbourne Victory. I thought that she was one of the better goalkeepers over the course of the year. The back four is largely dominated by Brisbane. Don't shoot me if you want, I'll take it. But Winnie Heatley at right back, I looked at it across the board. Winnie Heatley was the best right back defensively and going forward. So I think that shows you just the sort of impact she made Adam at the back. Claire Polkinghorne, obviously a no-brainer alongside of her. Marushka Walders from Adelaide was the real rock of that defensive line, which improved so much for them and saw them get as close as they've ever got to the W League final series. And Jamila Rankin at left back really did establish herself as, as somebody who I think will go on and represent the national team going forward, perhaps in the not-too-distant future. In the midfield, Isabel Dalton and Teresa Polias, the pair of them were... The unsung heroes are the sides that finished at the top in the top two. Both have been highly underrated, and between them, I think they've got 15 assists, James, for Adam over the course of the season. So for me, they had to be in there along with Dylan Holmes, who was the creative force for Adelaide United. Front third: Kyra Cooney Cross from Melbourne, Remy Simpson from Sydney, and Emily Gilnick from the Raw. Obviously, I couldn't overlook those three players. Goals and assists between the three of them were were highly put them right up the top for me. Um, on the bench, Jada Wyman from Sydney as a goalkeeper. Kendall Fletcher from Canberra as a defensive option. I thought she was unlucky to miss out, so I put her on the bench. Emily Condon from Adelaide was really, really impressive in midfield. And 
really the most unfortunate player of my five on the bench to miss out. Mariel Hecker, we talked about before. Huge impact for the Raw in her debut W League season. And Michelle Heyman. I don't think Canberra make the finals, Adam, without Michelle Heyman. So there's my team of the year in the W League. What about you? Yeah, look, um, normal, normally we, uh, we're pretty close on that. But it's, mine's uh, a little different uh, to yours. So I'll, I'll run through mine. That's all right. It makes things interesting. Absolutely. Um, in, in goals this year, I think Claire Coelho from Newcastle Jets. I thought oh, she had she had a... Um, put, her personal performance, I think, was great. I think uh, she was I think, a little let down by um, a squad that sort of did struggle to to really sort of, you know, especially defensively. But look, when she was called upon, she you know she saved more than than her fair share. So I've I've got her as the um, goalkeeper of the year in defence. Uh, Ali Green from Sydney, Claire Polkinghorn, uh, Kendall Fletcher, and Claudia Bunge from Melbourne Victory. Midfield, um, going three midfield: Dylan Holmes, Kyra Cooney, Cross. And Natasha Wheeler from Sydney, and my front three, and it's a and it's a pretty uh, experienced one of Lisa Devanna, Michelle Heyman, and Emily Gilnick. And on the bench, Tiga Micah uh, is goalkeeper. Jamila Rankin, Isabel Dalton, Ter- Teresa Polias, and Riley Dobson are my subs. There we go. All right, um, we're going to have to move on now quickly because uh, we are trying to keep this as short as possible for your audio pleasure. I really got to think of my think of my phrasing here. Okay, uh, quick touch on the news: um, Raw Academy. David Abella uh, joins as technical director of the Raw Academy. Uh, good experience pick up there for the Raw Scott. Yeah, formerly of FQ, but doing some stuff over in Asia. So good to have him back, and he's highly experienced in Queensland. So I'm sure he'll be a valued addition. All right, Adam, uh, we'll probably get into a little bit more detail on this next week because uh, there's a pair of TV broadcast deals uh, that are in the in the news at the moment. Firstly, the national teams and A-League rights are going to be sold separately according to the Sydney Morning Herald. And then I saw uh, Vince Rigari tweet out this morning um, talking about how the media rights for the 2023 uh, World Cup here in Australia is going to uh, going to be up for local bidding rights as well so we might have to get into that uh, next week in a little bit more detail since i wouldn't mind a bit of insurance in case the fields don't dry out for npl over the weekend yeah um look just just quickly on that um yeah look i, I think i think this is going to be the best, biggest sort of test about where the independence lies that i think i think um football australia sort of you know will be counting on you know um, you know a big windfall by by you know offering up the national teams um, as as a package rather than you know bundling it in with the with the A League, which now has a different uh, entity looking after it. So, and I actually think that, um, that they'll actually do well, especially with the um, with the 2023 World Cup, and especially with now the bidding out for the TV rights on that, um, it might really entice one of the commercial networks, yeah. be it you know nine, seven, or ten, to really go for it if they can both get the national teams. You know, for the next both couple both, of years, plus then um, be a bit up for the um, for the local broadcasting rights for the World Cup in 23. And just quickly on that as well, I believe SBS still has the rights for the 2022 Qatar World Cup as they well. They do. That's the last World Cup in their package. With the A-League rights, I, I, I still think we need to move off from the current broadcaster. I mean, they had Ben Homer calling a, in a, in a New South Wales Cup Rugby League game the other day instead of calling one of the two A-League games, which kind of shows you their priorities of wow. what's more important to them. So, ben good to see Ben Homer yeah. branching out, but there were two A-League games he could have called. He got 
shunt, shunted onto that. So, and it shows you where their priorities are. But I do think Adam's right. There's, I can see seven going for the Matildas now, plus the World Cup and really marketing that. You can see them doing it. They've done it in the past with events, James. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they do. Absolutely. And on that as well, um, it may be against my own self-interest, but I would not be at all surprised, or at least I'm hoping, that the next uh, football broadcaster for the National uh, Leagues in Australia, so A-League, W-League, etc., um, for the A-League, I really think the A commentator should be Simon Hill. Ben Homer should be the B commentator. And, you know, then I'll just take whatever Brisbane just, games just they'll quick, give me. Just quickly on um, on the TV rights as well. So I wonder if if uh, Channel 7, for example, would go for the big trifecta because they've got the Olympics um, they've got the Olympics rights, which obviously will feature the Matildas uh, this year. Will they also go the national teams plus the World Cup? So, go you know, Channel 7, the home of you the Matildas. You can see them doing it, can't you? Just putting it out there for... It could work. Oh, Channel 9 will do it. One of the yeah. two will do that. They'll want the World Cup desperately. Yeah, oh, and look, why wouldn't you want the World Cup? It is the biggest sporting event on the planet, bar none. And yeah, that's to be honest. I know it's one, Especially once women's. Every biggest event in Australia this decade. Yeah, well, well, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, we there was FFA Cup on the weekend. A few matches were played. Quite a few got <sighs> postponed due to lockdown. Um, there's NPL on tonight. There is. Palabar versus the Gap, which I'm about to go and do my match prep for, and we also it'll be, have it'll be our MPLW uh, game of the week on on their on their socials. There we go, and uh, yeah, well, you can tune into on to NPL TV and listen to the secondary coverage behind what you two do. Nah, listen, watch us us on social media. There we go. <laughs> nah, no, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> no, NPL TV is the place to be. Definitely. Okay. They've got NPL South Australia on there too now, James. They so do. It's, it's growing. More yeah. football. It's excellent. And they've also got that uh, Simon Hill show, a game of two halves. So oh, yes. NPL TV is growing. So if you haven't signed up already, why not go do it? It's free. Yeah. And it's got a mute button if you don't like the commentator. Hey! That feels like a personal shot. <laughs> All right. A-League. This Friday night, MacArthur FC, Brisbane Raw at 7.10pm. Now that the, those uh, southern states are back on normal people's time. And, yeah, 7-10, MacArthur won the first class 2-0 at Dolphin Stadium back in February. Yeah, I I don't know what to expect for this other than... I assume, yeah, Aldred and Gillespie are going to be back, but what are we going to see from the Raw? Obviously, we covered it when we were talking about the Wanderers game, Scott, but do you go back three, back four? What do you do? Oh, we talked about this last week on the show. I think we all want to see a back four and a 4-3-3 formation. My gut feeling though is that it'll be it's more of the same. The same three five two or the whatever you want to call it. Scott Neville in at right wing back James will be in that position and they'll probably go with a, a back three in the middle of Aldred, Gillespie and Kai Truant. That's what I expect they'll probably end up doing. It's not what I would do but it just it's what I think they'll end up doing. And the front though they'll probably bring McDonald in and Wenzel or Wenzel Hall's in. But again it's it's not the sort of changes that I would personally make if it was my decision, but it's not my decision. Uh, look, I, I think it's gonna. This is gonna be a case of you know first goal wins. I'd, I'd almost say is that I think the start is gonna be all important. Whoever gets the advantage, because I think if Macarthur score first, they're gonna be awfully hard to break down. I, they're, again, they're a team that seem that I that I tend to see is that they'll they'll go out there uh, and try and score first and really put the put the opponents on the back foot, and then they'll just grind out. 
their opponents. That seems to be the uh, Ante Milchic way. And uh, yeah, and I think so. If, if Raw, yeah, have have a slow start, yeah, they they may struggle to uh, get back in this because I think you know, Macarthur, they're 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 a very very good football team. And um, yeah, if 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 but if they're chasing the game, it might open the avenue for the Raw to really sort of you know hit them on the counter and sort of you know and get away with three points because yeah, um, Raw haven't won since they last met uh, Macarthur. Yeah, that was actually the start of this winless of the eight, Yeah. So I do very much blame Ante Milicic for it, as well as... Uh, was it Matt Derbyshire who had the chip of Jamie Young late on in that fixture? It probably was. Yes. Yeah, I'll blame Ante Milicic as well. He wasn't a great striker for the Raw with a great strike rate, so <laughs> so we'll hold it We'll hold it against We'll blame this all on Ante Milicic. That sounds fair. Yep. All right. Now, talking about up front, Adam, what combination would you go with up uh, to lead the line? Ooh, that's, that's a good question. Um... Look, I, I'd, I'd actually go Champness, McDonald, and Danzaki. And, and Dylan Wenzel Hall's off the bench after 60. There we go. Scott, any, any changes? I'd do the exact same thing. I'd have those three up front, but it's not going to be. So if it's going to be that, that's what. If, if I was picking my team in a front three, that would be what Adam just said Danzaki, McDonald, and Champness. Going with the system that the Raw are probably going to play that two up front. McDonald and, and um, Chantness. Actually, just so, I'll just actually preface what I said before. If it were up to me and I had the pick of the formations, I'm actually, I'm actually picking um, I'm picking Scott McDonald, but I play him in a number 10 role. And I'd actually, I would actually have McDonald in a number 10 role. Then I'd have Denzaki, Wenzel Halls, and Chantness as your front three. So that, that would be my four. But given how I think it will go, I'll, I'll stick to my original thought. Yeah, I think assuming that there are no changes, that's probably going to be the three that you'll see. Because truth be told, I don't think Riku's actually been like bad by any stretch, and I can't I can't justify moving him to the bench for Wenzel Halls, who is quite effective in his own right. But yeah, I just I don't know. It seems like they've got four players for three spots at the moment, and I do wonder if we are going to see Moon eventually acquiesce and maybe try and put those four in the four spots. The other player that I still am not quite sure what we're getting from is Masato Kudo. Is he a strike? Like, is he a leading striker? Is he a, you know, leading line? Is he a impact off the bench? And Golgol Mabratu as well. Like, they've got players who can do these roles, but they got young kids as well who they could throw in who have been yeah. flying in the NPL. Yellow so Parsons. Yeah. So Parsons. Demi, seven, so you could see one four. of them on the bench. Yeah. So I don't know. It. It's a. It's almost, it started off as a good problem to have having so many players for all these different roles, but it is starting to become maybe not even an embarrassment of riches, but just too many, too many pieces at the moment, too many cooks in the kitchen, I suppose. All right. Now, I'm going to start off with you, Scott. What are you going to be talking about after this match? Another draw. Okay. Quick. Uh, one all draw until... Until it changes, we've got to go with old reliable, right? There we go. One all draw. Adam, what are we going to be talking about next week? Uh, Brisbane Roar's season will come online after loss to MacArthur. Yeah, right. And I'm going to be saying that uh, Raw draw a blank, but they do keep a clean sheet in a scoreless draw with MacArthur, which, given the form of the A-League this season, seems like I'm really sticking my neck on the line for that one. <laughs> Has there been a nil all draw yet? It's been great this season. Yeah. Absolutely amazing across the board, some of these games. Only a few. All right. That is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. 
Good to talk to you both once again. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. Thank you, everyone, for listening as well. There is plenty of footballing action going on this weekend. You've obviously got uh, NPL men's, NPL women's, FQ Premier League 1 and 2, plus, of course, the Raw in action on uh, Friday night as well. So a whole lot of football for you to enjoy this weekend. We'll be back to recap it all next Wednesday. In the meantime, have a good weekend. Get out to the games if you can, and we'll talk to you then.